Thank you for taking the time to view this message online. You can connect with us more through our comments section of this video, through our Facebook page, or through our website, nhgj.org. Uh, hello, I am Ethan Lovelace, and uh, today I'm going to be speaking on Christian devotion in a media age. Uh, and I, I'd say I have Tony Rankin to thank for a lot of uh, these ideas in his book, uh, Competing Spectacles. It's published by Crossway if you're interested in it. Uh, very good and also incredibly helpful in putting this together for you. Um, I'd like to start out today just by reading a prayer uh, from the Valley Vision, which is a pr Puritan prayer book um, that I just happened upon by coincidence. But in it, I've really uh, grown to appreciate uh, the Puritans and, and their reverence for the Lord and then uh, just the, the eloquence of their prayers to him. So I'd like to start just by, by reading this prayer uh, from that prayer book. O Lord, my Lord, this is thy day. The heavenly ordinance of rest, the open door of worship, the record of Jesus' resurrection, the seal of the Sabbath to come, the day when the saints militant in triumph unite in endless song. I bless thee for the throng of grace, that here free favor reigns, the open access to it through the blood of Jesus, that the veil is torn aside, that I can enter the holiest and find thee ready to hear, waiting to be gracious, inviting me to pour out my needs, encouraging my desires, promising to give more than I can ask or think. But while I bless thee, shame and confusion are mine. I remember my past misuse of sacred things, my irreverent worship, my base ingratitude, my cold, dull praise. Sprinkle all my past Sabbaths with the cleansing blood of Jesus, that may this day witness deep improvement in me. Praise you, O Lord. Amen. I just wanted to, to pray that in preparation for, uh, for the Lord's day today and, and just readying our hearts for, for what he has to say to us. So uh, thank you for, for praying with me. Um, I'd like to to take this kind of rare opportunity um, to thank many of you. If, if you're part of the New Horizons Church family, um, I'd just like to say thank you, first of all, to many of you um, for being with me in the last seven years. Uh, as many of you know, I'm Pastor Andy's son, and, and I've been here for, sorry, six and a half years. Um, and many of you have been with me uh, through high moments and low moments, low moments among sinners, I'm the foremost, and high moments uh, I have nothing to boast in but Christ alone, but, but many of you were at my high school graduation and my wedding, uh, and recently I've been going through uh, college, and many of you have been encouraging me through that. So as I've uh, come to church, many of you would say, how is school going? Uh, how much longer do you have? Are you enjoying school? And I'm very happy to tell you that as of December 11th, I've graduated from college with a degree in mass communication. And I am so excited to, to have that finally done. And it's, it's been hard fought and long suffering, but I encourage you for, or I thank you for, for being with me in that. Uh, and with that, I just want to share a little bit of, of, you know, tying what I learned through that experience also with what Christ has worked in me in the last uh, period of my life studying communication and, and also being a servant of Christ. So uh, let me just start by saying my first semester at, uh, at college studying mass communication, I took this class um, where one of the required readings was um, by a man named Marshall McLuhan. Some of you might know who he is. Uh, he is a communications theorist from the 1960s. Uh, very bright guy. I do not 
endorse being a disciple of all of his thoughts. I do not know enough about him to be able to say that, that he was a, a Christ follower and all of his ideas were, were right and everything. But there's this one idea in particular that, that he very much popularized and I think uh, is, is very uh, insightful and good for us, even as Christians, to think about. And that is that with regard to media, uh, he, he says the medium is the message. So uh, let me clarify that. He's saying the way we receive information is more significant than the message itself. So I might not go as far as to say it's more significant, but I will say it is incredibly significant the way we receive uh, media and messages. So let me give you an example of this. So uh, the classic family, family room or living room in a home was typically structured with a couch a little coffee table and another couch or more chairs. It was, it was people face to face, facing each other, conversing, being the object of one another's attention. But then with the introduction of the television, how do we structure our living rooms now? It's a television and couches surrounding. So all that to say is that maybe it's not what is projected from the TVs that has everything to say, but also how we structure our lives around the media we consume. Another example is this, that it's hard to find a house that has been built in the last five years that doesn't have one of those USB outlets on either side of where a bed's supposed to go, right? We build our lives around our media, the way we consume media. So with that said, having a, a healthy relationship with our media, with the things we consume, with, with the videos we watch, with the things we read first, requires that we take a very, very objective look at how we engage with the mediums. So uh, here's a couple examples is, is primetime television, or, or uh, pardon me, examples as Christians, uh, primetime television, you know. So TV, they, they, during the best times of the day, right when you get off work, or first thing in the morning, that's when the, the best stories on the news are, right? Because that's the best time of your day. They know you're going to rush to the TV, and they, they give that the prime time, the, the best content goes at the best time. Well, take an objective look and look at your life and see, where does my prime time go? Does my prime time go toward my medium or, or my media, or does it go to the Lord? If for me, my, my best time of the day is first thing in the morning. You know, so is my prime time the first thing when I wake up, do I grab my phone and start looking at media? Or do I offer that time to the Lord? Because I know that is when I'm most fixated and most attentive to Him. Another example is our posture, right? I think it's incredibly ironic that our posture toward our phones is bowing down. Don't you find that ironic? That, that the posture that we're supposed to offer to the Lord, one of reverence and bowing and, and very prayerful, is something that we so often give more to our phone than we do to the Lord. So how about this? We, the way, where we place our, our devices, where we place our technology, our mediums? Is it in a place of prominence? Is the best, most comfortable room in your house, your favorite place to go in your house, is that where your TV's at? Or, or your favorite place to go, is that where any other medium is at? Or do you have a place of reverence devoted, your favorite place, is that devoted to the Lord alone? So let's just start by taking an objective look at the mediums we use and what they really have to say about our life. So I want to give you a scriptural example because I offered a, a philosopher and a media theorist as a Christian. I absolutely ought to give you an example from scripture. So let's look at 1 Kings 6. You know, um, 1 Kings 6, this is speaking of Solomon and his building of the temple, right? So this is 1 Kings 6, 2. 
The house that King Solomon built for the Lord was 60 cubits long, 20 cubits wide, and 30 cubits high. The vestibule in front of the nave of the house was 20 cubits long, equal to the width of the house, 10 cubits deep in front of the house. And in the 11th year, sorry, this is fast forwarding here in the scripture uh, to verse 38. In the 11th year, uh, in the month of Bull, which is the eighth month, the house was finished in all its parts and according to all its specifications. It says he was seven years in building it. Now this is meant to be juxtaposed with 1 Kings 7, uh, where Solomon is building his own house. And it says Solomon was building his own house 13 years and he finished the entire house. He built the house in the forest of Lebanon. Its length was 100 cubits, and its breadth 50 cubits, and its height 30 cubits, and it was built on four rows deep cedar pillars with cedar beams on the pillar. Now, why do I point that out? That's because uh, I would speculate that Solomon would be incredibly slow to saying that his own comfort and his own luxury was more important than his God, Yahweh. But the scriptures allude to something entirely different, is that ultimately he offered more time to building his own house than the house of the Lord. He offered uh, more space. He, he, it was even larger than the house of the Lord. And this is ultimately seen in, in 1 Kings 11 when Solomon falls away from the Lord, as it's revealing, it's, it's alluding to the fact that Solomon isn't, isn't giving the best of what he has to God, and it reveals that there's idols that he, that he has more to offer to. So, again, we need to objectively observe our own use of mediums. Uh, for example, television, uh, car radios, uh, our, our iPhones, or any phones in general, uh, to reveal what may or may not uh, have our full devotion. Because what we structure our lives around uh, points to who our God really is. So uh, now that we've kind of discussed uh, the mediums, I want to talk about media itself uh, and how we ought to engage with it as Christians. So this is an incredibly vast conversation, and it's probably worthy of a few uh, weeks of discussion. But for now, I want to focus primarily on social media, uh, just for a couple reasons. Uh, one being that it's it's very new form of media uh, within the last uh, decade or, or decade and a half. Um, so it's very, very prevalent in our lives. Um, it's very, a, a very unique form of media, and we'll get into that. And I also feel like it's one of the few areas where I'm not presently uh, as much of a hypocrite as I may be in other areas, because it's something uh, that I've chosen to abstain from in the last uh, year or so. Again, nothing to boast in but Christ alone and His grace. Um, but I, I feel that um, I would really love the opportunity to speak specifically about social media and how we engage with it. So even if you don't have social media, uh, I encourage you to lean in as to explain to others why uh, perhaps that might be the case or maybe even change your reason why. Um, so social media is what we may call a spectacle. And uh, here's a definition of a spectacle. A spectacle is a moment in time of varying length in which collective gaze is fixed on some specific image, event, or moment. A spectacle is something that captures human attention an instant when our eyes and our brains are fixated on something projected at us. And that's uh, from Tony Rankin in his book, Competing Spectacles. Now, allow me to, to read uh, a passage where Rankin discusses uh, spectacles uh, as he addresses social media. Self-projecting and self-sculpting make social media an irresistible spectacle because we become the self-molded star at the center of it all. As a result of these culture shifts, we feel the shift from being 
to appearing. Our self-made images, our digital appearing, becomes everything. In a deeply addictive way, we exist both as star and spectator. So allow me to unpack that here. We become the object in social media. We become the object of observation, and we put uh, ourselves to be the object of attention while also observing others. And really, there's no way around that. So I hear all, all the time people uh, say, uh, well, I'm just on social media because I want to keep up with my friends. I just want to see what they're doing. And, and I feel, you know, that is, a, that is a justified reason for wanting to be on social media. But what we're talking about here, about being the object of attention, it's something unavoidable because social media is built around you. All right, and this is something that I learned in some of my media theory classes. You know, the algorithms uh, that exist within all these social media platforms, they're built to, to create a coliseum around you, right? So the ads, the ads that you see, they're directed toward you and to your interests. Your friends are the friends that you have hand-selected to see their content so that you can engage with it. The posts that you see are posts that, that are brought up because you've liked things that are similar. You know, it's all about you at center stage. So how do we become, uh, how do we behave as Christians in an age of social media uh, where we are both the spectator and the spectacle? Well, I want to first just look uh, how Christians have engaged with spectacles throughout history in just a couple primary areas to offer us some sort of encouragement and wisdom as to where we may go. Uh, specifically two periods in history, starting with uh, early Christian martyrs. Now, during the period uh, of the Roman Emperor Nero, uh, around AD 64, uh, one of the most prominent forms of entertainment at the time uh, was the Colosseum, uh, where gladiators uh, would fight uh, and prisoners would be publicly killed. And this is where people would go to see uh, violence as a form of entertainment, which is not shy of anything we see today. Violence is one of our most prominent uh, forms of entertainment. It's hard to find any sort of film that doesn't promote violence in some way. Uh, so during, these, during this period, many of those prisoners that were killed uh, were Christians who were persecuted by Emperor Nero. Uh, so there were Christians from the underground church uh, and other Christ followers, and they were brought center stage uh, to be a spectacle to the masses as they were uh, mauled and killed by bears and lions and all sorts of uh, wild animals. So what is incredibly interesting uh, about this, I think, is that historians believe that uh, many Romans actually found uh, the Christian martyrs in the Colosseum to be pretty boring. Like there's literally somebody being killed before their eyes and they're disengaged because, uh, because they were boring in comparison to other prisoners who would plead for mercy and beg for their lives, or they were boring in comparison to, better yet, people who would fight back. Rather, they're watching these Christians who are so disengaged from the world around them, who are, whose eyes are fixed solely on Jesus, the author and perfecter of their faith, that it hardly even bothers them that they're being killed at the present moment. So this in itself, I think, is, is just an incredible insight as to how we can uh, behave as spectacles to the world uh, in social media, and we'll get more into that. But let me emphasize this again. Uh, spectators can... Uh, Spectators in the Colosseums considered them uh, boring because of how disengaged they were from the matters of this world and how detached they were to their rights and their voices, right? They weren't pleading for their life. They weren't fighting back. So let's look at another age in history here. I want to highlight 
uh, another group, again, as I said, I, I've really grown in love for the Puritans. Uh, they're a group of reformers that, uh, in England in the 17th century, uh, and they were so devoted uh, and reverent to the will of God and honoring his demand for holiness in our lives. And they took things to the extremes in the eyes of many. Uh, one example is, is in the, uh, the public theater. Uh, so uh, William Shakespeare uh, popularized these public theaters where, where uh, many Londoners would go to see plays and they were uh, kind of on the east side of London near the, the Thames, the rivers, uh, where prostitution was incredibly prominent. Uh, and the Puritans, they uh, completely abstained from this incredibly popular uh, form of entertainment. They abstained from it, and, and better yet, they publicly objected to it. Um, and the reason was because um, these plays would often be full of, of nudity and promoting themes of marital affairs, and also they were near areas where uh, prostitution was incredibly prevalent. So again, this is not something that's shy of what we see today. Again, it's hard to find a movie that doesn't promote themes of nudity and marital affairs and things of that sort. So what would the Puritans do? They'd protest the public theaters and boycott this very common form of entertainment, and they did it to their dying day. And these Puritans, they were often called legalistic and overpious, but really, honestly, all I see are a people so in love with their God that they wouldn't dare risk offending him with their media consumption. So in, other, in the words of uh, William Prine, a prominent Puritan in this time, he, uh, he writes this with regard to the public theaters. Let other men love their stage plays better than their God, and their souls resort to theaters while they please. But let Christ be your all in all, your only spectacle and joy on earth, whose soul-ravishing, heart-filling presence shall be your eternal solace, your everlasting, visible, all-glorious, most triumphant spectacle in the highest heavens. Man, I, <laughs> a quote more uh, reverent and beautiful is hard fought, uh, or, or hard sought. So now with, with this in mind, kind of these two examples of, of Christians engaging with, uh, with spectacles and with media and history, uh, let's observe ourselves and how we engage as Christians today in the age of social media. So uh, first, how do we engage with the medium as a Christ follower? Follower. Uh, I believe, uh, as Christians have for all of history, uh, we are called to stand out. Christians are called to be different from society. We are called to be different from the cultural norms. And, uh, and I would say that we can take a lot of notes uh, from the people that we just observed. We're called to be different, perhaps different as martyrs, publicly detached from the world displaying, dare I say, a boring life, a, 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 detach, a life detached of earth, as to fix everyone's gaze toward Jesus, right? Where social media is all about trying to make your life look interesting and fun and engaging. What if every Christian in the world were willing to make their life look boring as to point all their attention to Christ? As if to say, I don't have to give an original thought, I don't have to give my opinion, because I can give scriptural truth, right? So uh, not to stir up controversies or, or to fight objectors to your thoughts, but to be a still and quiet light speaking only biblical truth that may prove helpful in somebody's salvation or encouraging a fellow believer. Uh, 
uh, perhaps we could also stand out as Puritans who know we have an inkling towards sin and want to completely separate in an act of devotion to God and reverence for his ownership over our eyes. So here's kind of where the rubber meets the road. <laughs> I would uh, strongly encourage you uh, to fast from media this week, and I will join you in that. Uh, and, and I think we should start that fast by objectively looking at our use of mediums, our use of technology, and, and seeing what it reveals about who our idols are, uh, what our devotion is to, whether it really is to the Lord or whether it's to this thing that we struggle to go away from. And you can choose how, how far to go in that, whether that's just social media or TV. But I encourage you uh, to make it hurt. <laughs> make it to the point to where you see that, wow, this really has a hold on my life. And then in those, those quiet times that we're offering to the Lord, uh, I want us to ask the Lord what he would have us do with social media. If he would have us be a martyr, uh, center stage in the Colosseum of Facebook and Instagram, taking attention off our own lives and directing our attention to Christ. Or as Puritans who need to abstain in order to give the Lord our full devotion. And I know in myself, I'm a vain person at times, and it is best for me just to not even touch it because I know I have an inkling towards sin. So let me uh, finish by giving you a description of the most powerful and engaging spectacle in all the world. And this is from Revelation chapter 4. After this, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the, and the first voice which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian, and all around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders, clothed in white garments, with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder, and before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, there was at its seat a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. And the first living creature like a lion, the second creature like an ox, and the third living creature like the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around them and within. And day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him, who is seated on the throne and worship him, whose lives are forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Brothers and sisters in Christ, our Lord Jesus is going to be the grandest spectacle. He is the grandest spectacle. He is going to be the object of our attention for all of eternity. So I encourage you to make him that object of your attention right now, today, and to give all of yourself to him and to not divert your eyes to the perverted things of this world.
So let me finish again with another Puritan prayer about devotion. God of my end, it is my greatest, noblest pleasure to be acquainted with thee. And with my rational, immortal soul, it is sweet and entertaining to look into my being. When all my powers and passions are united and engaged in pursuit of thee, when my soul longs and passionately breathes after conformity to thee and the full enjoyment of thee, no hour passes away without much pleasure as though spent in communion with thee and with my heart. Oh, how desirable, how profitable to the Christian life is the spirit of holy watchfulness and godly jealousy over myself when my soul is afraid of nothing except grieving and offending thee the blessed God, my Father and friend, whom I then love and long to please rather than be happy in myself. Knowing as I do that this is the pious temper worthy of the highest ambition and closest pursuit of intelligent creatures and, the holy, Christ and holy Christians. And may my joy derive from glorifying and delighting in thee. I no longer fill my time, I, I long to fill my time for thee. Whether at home or in the way, to a place to place all my concerns in thy hands, to be entirely at thy disposal, having no will or interest of my own. Help me to live for thee forever, to make thee my last and only end, so that I may never more, in one instance, love my sinful self. You can find more resources for this service at nhgj.org. Email us your prayer requests to prayer at nh4gj.org. If you are a new follower of Jesus, we have a free resource for you called Following Jesus. To receive a copy, send a request to info at nh4gj.org. If you would like to partner with our ministry through giving, you can do that online at nhgj.org giving or by mail to 641 Horizon Drive, Grand Junction, Colorado, 81506. Thank you for being with us and may the Lord bless you.